0: Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, we are going to continue in our series called The Top Ten. Uh, today, uh, we got some special guests with us. Eric and Annabelle True's here. And uh, say, hey, why don't you tell them hi? And we were just talking about, you know, um, obviously the last college football playoff uh, rankings uh, come out today. And so I mentioned that in week one. I'm calling it The Top Ten. It's a series on the Ten Commandments. Those rankings been changing every week, right? Week by week, teams lose. Other teams win and they move. But God's top ten never changes, right? The Ten Commandments never changed. They were given uh, through Moses. And so we've been going through those. So in, in week one, uh, I, I showed you the purpose of the Ten Commandments. I used the illustration of a mirror. I had a mirror up here and I wiped some of my wife's uh, makeup on. But I guess the base, whatever it's called, on my face made it look dirty. And I showed you how, you know, the, the mirror revealed I had something on my face. But when I tried to wipe it off with the mirror, it didn't work, right? Because the purpose of the mirror is to show me my face was dirty, but couldn't clean it. So then I got a wipe and I cleaned off my face. And the illustration is that the Ten Commandments, the law shows us our sin, but can't free us from our sin. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. Only Christ in his blood can wash us clean and wipe us clean, right? And so I want to encourage you, you know, uh, uh, if you haven't saw the first one or, or last week's to go catch up and, uh, on our website podcast. So we looked at the foundation The purpose of the Ten Commandments, and then we're doing two a week. So I talked about the first commandment, which is you must not have any other God but me. The Lord said, and I showed you how this tells us, this is us, we must prioritize our love for the Lord, right? I showed you how every time Israel uh, went into idolatry or or put other gods before him, he considered it adultery or even prostitution, Because that's the kind of intimate relationship he desires with us. And in the second commandment, which is very close cousin, goes into the second one is you must not have an idol of any kind or bow down and worship it. So again, today, you know, those of us in this church probably don't have anything you build or made that you actually a statue or anything you bow down to. But I showed you how there's a lot of things in life we can make idols. We can make our work idol. We can make sports idols, a hobby. We can make uh, even relationships, money, whatever can become an idol. We can literally maybe not bow down and worship, but we give our time, attention, and energy, even sacrifice to something, a sacrifice of, of those things to, to actually uh, before the Lord. So we don't want to have any idols in our lives. And then last week, Pastor Kelly preached on the third and fourth commandment. Come on, how many of y'all was here? I heard he did a great job. And so I heard it was a great word. Uh, I mean, I didn't listen to it yet, but I read the outline. And so Pastor Kelly preached on the third and fourth commandment. The third commandment states you must not misuse the name of the Lord our God. He explained that we shouldn't use God's name uh, uh, pointlessly or profanely. We shouldn't attach God's name to something that's false. We shouldn't uh, claim the gospel if we're not living it out. And that the best God's best name is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Amen? And in the fourth commandment says to remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So Pastor Kelly Pastor Kelly gave the background of the Sabbath, looked at Jesus in the Sabbath. He asked the question, is the Sabbath still for today? And then he gave the life application of the Sabbath for us today. So again, if you missed any of those last week or the first week, encourage you to go catch up Facebook website, a podcast, any one of those, YouTube, Vimeo, all those platforms, and catch up with us. So today we're going to look at... Uh, the commandments, the fifth and sixth commandments. So we're beginning in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. We see the Ten Commandments in Exodus and also in Deuteronomy. It says this, Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land of the Lord your God is given. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your time in the word. Thank you. Your word is still awesome, living, true, powerful, and sharpen any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Help us to apply, my God, your biblical principles to our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray you help me as I preach your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So he says here, honor your father and mother. The Hebrew word for honor here is kabad, and it means heavy or weighty. In the context of this verse, "kabod" it means a price uh, to price highly, care for, show respect for, and obey. The Jews were taught not only to honor their parents but also to respect the aged and care for senior citizens. So I don't know if you knew that, but that command, yes, is directly to our parents, but it actually implied, and the Jewish people knew it implied even beyond our parents to honor the aged and the senior citizens. You can find references to that in both uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Proverbs. See, to honor your father and mother is to recognize that you are not self-sufficient or self-existent, right? Amen. A stark didn't come drop us off on, our, on the steps of our house, right? God used two people to bring us into this world. And so that's actually an important step on the road to humility, When you start thinking like, man, you know what, I didn't get here on my own, right? See, arrogance may produce notoriety, but humility and gratitude towards our parents are actually the foundation of a long, full life, as we see in the scripture. And we'll talk about more here in a few minutes. So both Jesus and the Apostle Paul reference this commandment on honoring your father and mother. So let's look at what Jesus said first about this commandment. Matthew 15, 1 and 6, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? So they're trying to correct him or teach him or rebuke him. They demanded. They ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your tradition, violate the direct commands of God? So Jesus answered their question with a question. He says this, For instance, God says, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. Further on in the law, it says that. But if you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your tradition. See, the Lord's reply to their charge began with an accusation. It was the religious leaders who were breaking God's laws, or like he said, canceling the Word of God by practicing their own traditions. You know, today, in our day and age, and even could be amongst even Protestant churches, some people cancel God's Word because of their own tradition. We, we may have denominational traditions or traditions in our own local churches or our own personal traditions that sometimes we hold uh, uh, more precious than the actual Word of God itself. And so, uh, so, so Jesus is teaching this principle, but he uses the pr- the commandment of honor in your father and mother because they were sidestepping the direct command of God for their own. Uh, traditions. And the practice he was talking about, uh, it was a Hebrew practice called karban. And what it means, it's a gift. The Hebrew word karban means a gift. And if a Jew, this is what they would do, if a Jew wanted to escape some type of financial responsibility, like in this case, helping their parents, he would declare his goods to be karban, which is a gift from God. This meant he was free from other obligations, such as caring for his parents. But in doing so, that person was losing the power of God's word in his life. He was hurting his own character, and he was missing out on the blessing of God. You know, Chap was just talking about that. See, Chap's had incredible character and integrity, and that's why her warden wanted her to stay around and continues to gives her give her favor throughout the jail here in Lafayette. See, Jesus concluded his reply with an application. Jesus made it clear that obedience to tradition made a person disobedient to God's word. And it proved the tradition to be false. See, Exodus 20:12 taught a person that to honor his father and mother, to honor them, that, that if they would honor a father and mother, their tradition would make a person dishonor his parents and at the same time disobey God. So if they wouldn't, let me clarify this, if they wouldn't, honor the scriptures, honor the command, instead of their tradition, they're straight up breaking the law. So in other words, what am I saying here? The Pharisees and religious leaders were justifying why they didn't honor their parents. And it was because they was given that money. Let me say it this way. They spiritualized disobeying God's word. Well, what I was going to give to my parents, I'm going to go ahead and give it to God. And so they made it seem more spiritual, but Jesus rebuked them and said, no, you still need to honor your father and mother. Why am I saying all this? I believe people still justify not honoring their parents today, but it's for other reasons. Usually it's not financial reasons. Usually it's because I understand that a lot of us grew up with parents that even today may be hard to honor. Maybe the very parents that were supposed to love and nurture you maybe have abused you. Maybe have hurt you. Maybe have abandoned you. Maybe neglected you. And it makes it very hard to honor them. And maybe there's the justification there. How can I honor someone who is so dishonorable, right? Let me ask you this question. Do you think God knew that our parents would be imperfect and even sometimes terrible parents when he wrote this commandment? You think he knew that? He absolutely did. Obviously, God is outside of time and space, right? We see it like they say, a parade one float at a time. God sees the whole parade. He created the parade, right? So he knew that we would be dealing with imperfect and even sometimes very hurtful and, and, and terrible parents. But yet he still has called us to honor them. You know, I didn't say this in the first service, but actually we had some great ministry time at the first service. And I want to say this. The thing about honor, especially when it comes to our parents, it's about honoring the position. When it's hard to honor the person, you got to honor the position. For example... Our president, whether you agree with him or not, he's still the president. I see people online, he's not my president. If you're a citizen of the United States, he is your president. And you honor the office even if it's hard to honor the person. Same thing with the office of a pastor. Pastor Todd said, I know when I took over this church, there's a certain anointing that came on my life, not because of anything I did, but because I signed up or I, I, I agreed to the office of the pastor. And so that's the thing you need to know about honor, is that, like I said earlier, even though... They may have heard us, and I'm going to talk about that, and I want to spend some time, and I want to give you the opportunity after service to minister to you and pray with you about this, because I know that this is got to be hard for you. For some of you, even as I'm saying this, and we had an altar full of people at the first service, people crying and people having a hard time saying, I've been struggling with this, and I, it, understandably so. But I know God wouldn't put anything in his word that he wouldn't give us the strength to, to do. Amen? He didn't put any concessions when he said, honor your father and mother. Now listen, this doesn't mean that you, 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 if, if they've hurt you, if they've abused you, if they neglected or abandoned you, that you just act like nothing happened, that you spend time with them, all of that kind of stuff, but you still honor them. I'll give you an example. One of the young men that, that came up to the altar at the first service, I was right over here praying with him. And that he was struggling. I knew his story before. And, and he said, man, I don't know how. I don't know, I don't know how to honor my mom, it was his mom he was specifically dealing with. I don't know how to honor her. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. And I said, look, and I don't have all the answers, but I know it's in God's word and he'll help you. We're going to pray. I said, do you talk negative about your mom? And his wife's behind him like shaking her head, you know. And, uh, and, and, I, and he said, yeah, I do. And I said, you know, man, it may just start with stop talking negative about her and start praying for her. Maybe that's the one or two things you can do to honor her. It may not be that you even call her or talk to her. But listen, if you're talking negative to her, you're not honoring her. If you stop talking negative, right? Just that, just stopping the the negativity or the or, or, or the the payback, and start praying that God would touch your life. That's a way that you can honor her. So that may be for you in here this morning. It may be just that. Maybe there's so been so much pain and neglect and disappointment, and maybe it's ongoing. It's still going on. I mean, I know I know a few stories in the church right now that even as adults, there's some hard things going on with their parents. But we don't have to, even so, someone hurts you don't mean you have to return and hurt them back, right? Don't overcome evil with evil, the Bible says, but overcome evil with good, right? And so that can be the way you begin to honor your parents, even if it's not in a full-on relationship with them, right? Again, God put it there. He knew we'd be dealing with this stuff, but yet he still commands and calls us to honor our parents. And I love this, which moving on to the Apostle Paul because some people like to pull the card, but that was old testament, brother. We're not under the law anymore. What Jesus addressed it and even the Apostle Paul, they both reiterated this commandment. That's the word I was looking for earlier and I couldn't find it, Pastor Kelly, in the first service. So now let's look at what the Apostle Paul said about this commandment. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. He combines obedience for little children or for children and, and honor. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Now here's the commandment. Honor your father and mother. Watch this. I love this. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will live a long life on the earth. In this verses of Scripture, and that right here, the Apostle Paul gives us four reasons why we should obey our parents as children. Children, if you're still living with your parents, and if, as as us as we get older, to honor them. Four reasons. First, he says, because you belong to the Lord, right? Because you're born again Christians. Because the Lord has saved you. You belong to Him now. You should be obeying uh, ch- uh, your parents. As children in the home and, and as adults, we should be honoring them. When a person becomes a believer, a Christian They are not released from the normal obligations of life. If anything, our faith in Christ ought to make us better sons and daughters. You know, it's very common that if someone's parents hurt them growing up or still currently hurting them as adults, the world and everybody, it's common, if you hurt me and you get me, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to hurt you back. I'm going to cut you off. I'm not going to let you see your grandkids, whatever the case may be, right? But because we belong to the Lord, the Apostle Paul said we should honor them even more, right? Even though they hurt us. Children, if you're still living in your parents' home, obey them. Look, newsflash, I get it. As parents, we're not perfect, right? I tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, look, I know you thought I was, but I'm not perfect. And they're like, all right, Dad, really? So, right, I mean, obviously I'm being sarcastic. They know that. But still, if you're a kid in your, your, your parents' home, Because you belong to the Lord, you need to obey your parents. And for those of us that are adults, because we're born again, some of your parents that you're having a hard time honoring, they don't know the Lord. And so it's very common. They expect you to retaliate or cut them off or not talk to them or whatever the case may be. Be hateful, talk negative to them or about them. Why don't we do something different? Why don't we pray for them? Why don't we still show them honor even when it's hard to do so? Secondly, he says, because it's right. It's the right thing to do. There's an order in nature ordained by God that argues for the rightness of an action. See, since parents brought the child into the world and since they have more knowledge and wisdom than 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 children, it's right that a child should obey his parents when they're young and honor them as they get older. And then thirdly, again, we see this, honor is commanded. It is part of the Ten Commandments, right? We see that in verse two there. This is where Paul quotes the fifth commandment, and it applies it to the New Testament believer. Now this does not mean, let me clarify again as I did in the first uh, uh, week, this does not mean that Christians are under the law. For Christ has set us free both from the curse and the bondage of the law. Do you, you want to jot this down? That's found in Galatians 3.13. You can read that. It makes it clear, right? We're not under the law, but still the principles apply here. The righteousness of the law is still a revelation of the holiness of God, And the Holy Spirit enables us to live out our lives in righteousness daily. And you can find that in Romans chapter 8 as well. You can read into that. So it's just as wrong for the New Testament Christian to dishonor their parents as it was for the Old Testament Jew. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. To honor our parents is to show them love and respect, to care for them as they need when they get older, and to seek to honor them by the way that they live. Remember, y'all. I always go back to this: if we honor our parents, even when they're dishonorable or they don't feel like uh, you don't feel like they they deserve it, what a strong witness for Jesus! When they know that they've done something to hurt you, to mistreat you, but yet you still honor them especially if they don't know the Lord, right? It's a good witness to them by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the way we act. And I just want to encourage you, I've been focusing on those that have a hard time. Though A lot of us, right, we have parents that it's easy to honor, right? And I think we should do it more. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you with that. So like for me, I'll give you, I'll use myself as an example. A lot of you knew, knew my mom. It's very easy to honor my mom even to this day. My mom was awesome. She was she was one of the most Christ-like people I knew. She prayed for me, loved on me, Right? You know, but like, even if your parents are gone, my dad died in 97. And now there was a lot of things that my dad did and taught me to do that was not honorable at all. But, you know, as I was praying through this and preparing this, I began to think, so how do I honor my dad who's been gone since 1997? Well, I thought about it. It goes back to a lot of how we honor, yes, it's the way we live, how we treat them, but a lot of it is how we speak. So I could focus on and talk about my dad in a negative light and all the negative he did. But guess what? There's some positive as well. For example, we grew up going to church pretty much every weekend, but it was a pretty traditional uh, religious uh, church. But as I came to Christ, I realized I was thankful for my dad that, you know what, at least there was a the foundation of Christianity. At least I knew, you know, yes, amen. God was real. Jesus was his son. But I didn't fully understand the gospel and how He died for my sins. But I'm thankful. Hey, I could have grew up in an atheist home or an agnostic home where I had to rethink all of that. So I'm thankful. I give honor to my dad that at least he took us to church. And you, you know, a lot of kids don't want to go, right? I had to go, right? But but that was at least a foundation. So even if your parents are gone, that's another thing I encourage this this gentleman is to you know what find something that you can you can find that 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 they've done well and then good that you could honor them with, right? Because it's a command and we could be a good witness to not only them, but those around us. And then lastly, this is, is so powerful. This the first, I mean, this is the, this, there's a promise attached to honor. Look, let's read it again Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Paul specifies this, and I don't know if you knew that. If you read through the Ten Commandments, first one with a promise if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will live a long life on the earth. See, this promise originally applied to the Jews as they entered Canaan, but Paul applied it to the New Testament believers today. He substituted the word earth for land and tells us that as Christians, if we honor our parents, we can expect two blessings, that it will be well with you and you will live long on the earth. Now, this does not mean that everyone who died young dishonored their parents, which could have something to do with it, but not necessarily. He was stating a principle. When children obey their their parents when they're young and honor them as they get older, They can escape a good deal of sin and danger and avoid things that would threaten or shorten their lives. Amen. As parents. Right. When we tell our kids don't run across the street without looking, we can help lengthen our lives just right there. Right. Or their lives. If children would just listen, don't put your finger in those two holes in the wall. It's going to help you out. Right. So just simple things like that. Right. Will help lengthen our life if we obey. But also going back, we're talking about honor here. See, because life is not measured only in the quantity of time. It's also measured in the quality of the experience, right? See, God enriches the life of the person who honors his father and mother is what he's saying here. No matter how long they live on the earth. See, sin always robs us. Honor always enriches us. When we choose to honor our parents or honor anyone, it enriches our life, right? So I just want to encourage you again. Someone can live to 85, 90 years old, And not have a quality of life. And someone's life could be cut short, but they could have a very full life, right? Because of honor. I like how Pastor Larry says it, honor up, honor down, honor all around. You know, that's one of the things that our society has lost. I think I said it maybe in the first uh, week, but, you know, I heard someone say it's true. If you look at our society, biblical society was based on honor and shame. Our society is based on comparison and competition. And so we've lost that. We've lost I mean, some, you know, some people still do even like, you know, the world still will honor veterans and different people. But as believers, again, we belong to the Lord. We should honor not only our parents, but anybody like like way better into a different standard in the world. Amen. So honor your father and mother. I want to encourage you again. I want to, before we leave today, I'll have the pastors and the altar workers come up in a few minutes, and we want to pray for you. I know there's people sitting in here, and we saw it at the first service. Literally, there was, there was, this altar was full of people that needed help. I could tell, getting prayer for this. I know you want to be obedient to the Lord and to his word, but you're struggling maybe with your parents or one of them to honor them. We want to pray for you. We want to try to help you walk through that. Amen? So now let's look at the sixth commandment, Exodus 20, 13. Very plain and straightforward, you must not murder. See, life is a gift from God, and only God has the authority to take life. Amen? And let me stop and tell you this. I had someone tell me early on in my Christianity when I was witnessing to them, uh, they asked me because, you know, some people always trying to find a way to try to contradict the Bible. And they said, well, why does God say not to murder, yet you see throughout the Bible he commanded for certain groups of people to be killed? Here's your answer. Because God has the authority. He's the only one that has the authority to take life. We didn't create people. He did. Or he made them, right? Let me put it another way. When my children was little, my wife and I had the authority to spank them. And we used that authority quite often. But you couldn't just come up and spank my kids when you wanted to, right? I would spank them because they're my kids if they needed it. But you couldn't just come up, right? And do that unless I gave you like the school. We gave the school permission. I see Miss Sarah Aloisio back here. She was the principal many years. They had a farm at the school. Don't spank my kids. Call before or just give you permission. I told Miss Sarah, if my, if you deem my kids need to be spanked, don't even wait the phone call. Get to work, Miss Sarah. Get, you know? And so, cause I knew one, they were very gracious at the school and it took a lot, right? To do that. So my point is if anybody tries to ask you that, let them know because God is the one who created life. He has the authority. You and I don't have the authority to take a life, right? Because it is. It, it's is—it's—it's murder, right? Because we're made in God's image. You know, murder is actually attacked against God. Did you know that? Look at Genesis 9, 6. It's found in the book before the commandments. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands for God made human beings in his own image. You see that? So the the whole root of why... Uh part of it is we don't have the authority. The other thing is it's an attack on God because we're made in his image, right? And that's, that's the whole uh, gist of it here. The Jews were allowed to defend themselves. You find that in Exodus 22-2. And the law made concessions for accidental death, but murder was a capital offense. And we said that even today, right? There's still laws on defending yourself. People accidentally kill people in a car accident or whatever. But he's talking about murder here. Now, few translations, older translations, if you like a, a King James version, says thou shalt not kill. But actually, uh, Murder is the correct rendering of the Hebrew word here. It's not just kill. That's another thing. People say, well, if God says you must not kill, then, you you know, why why did he allow wars and all these kind of stuff? But it's not the word just kill. It's murder. It's premeditated murder that he's talking about here. This is the issue, and this is the command. And this is where Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 actually begins with anger. Let's go to Matthew 5. Now, Matthew 5, 21 and 22, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said to the men of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be guilty before the court. But I say to you that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice against him shall be guilty before the court. And whoever speaks contemptuously or insultingly to his brother, saying, Raka, which actually means the, you empty-headed idiot, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever says you fool shall be in danger of the fiery hell. So you see here, there's an Old Testament command, but Jesus takes this command, just as he did honor your father and mother, and he goes to the root of it here. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus took six important Old Testament laws and interpreted them for his people in the light of the new life that he came to give us but he made a fundamental change without altering God's standard. Remember, Christ didn't come to abolish the law. He said he came to fulfill the law, right? So he dealt with attitudes of intent, the attitudes and the intents of the heart, not simply just external actions. See, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they, they said righteousness consisted of performing certain actions and, 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 and things, but Jesus Centered it around the attitudes of the heart. And we see that. That's why they were religious leaders. We see people today that still center their religion on acts and works and what they do and not the heart. And that's why Jesus was getting to the heart of the matter. Like sin, the Pharisees had a list of external actions that was sinful. But Jesus explained that sin came again from the heart. And you can see his whole teaching on that. Anger is murder in the heart just like lust is adultery in the heart, which we'll look at next week. You know, I read this, and I love how whenever we see something written from the, in the Word of God, here's Jesus, the living Word, speaking, teaching, and it was recorded. You know, in, in at least one major city, and I know it's in a lot of them, most of the murders are considered crimes of passion, which is a, cr- a murder caused by anger among friends, relatives, or people in intimate relationships. Right? You've heard of that. It's a crime of passion. So in other words, it started from someone being angry at maybe a spouse that they caught in an affair or a friend or relative or or something going wrong and they got angry and it ended up with murder. So we see Jesus said that years ago, thousands of years ago, that this is where it started. But Jesus did not say anger leads to murder. He actually said ungodly anger is murder. See, there's a holy anger against sin and we know that. But Jesus was talking about unholy anger against people the greek word for anger that jesus used in matthew 5 means listen to this a settled anger malice that is nursed inwardly so it's not just i'm angry because my team didn't win last night right no it's it's i'm angry at a person and 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 it's 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 Inside of me, it's settled anger. I I It's settled down deep within me, and I'm nursing this anger that turns into bitterness and then, as we'll see, ultimately turns into hatred. That's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about anger. He described a sinful experience that involves several stages. First, there was the causeless anger. This anger then explodes into words like someone saying, you idiot, which the word raka, again, means an empty-headed person or empty-headed idiot. And these words would fuel the fire, and the person would continue on and maybe say, you fool, which Jesus said is like cursing someone. Let's read it again in New King James, Matthew 5, 22. Whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. You know what I'm getting out of this? we got to be careful how we talk, too. Be careful next time you think about calling somebody a fool, right? What we say carries weight, and when it comes from the motive of an angry heart. See, anger is such a foolish thing because it makes us destroyers instead of builders. It robs us of freedom and puts us in prison. To hate someone is to commit murder in our hearts. Anger that's nursed, that malice that's nursed inwardly will turn into hatred. And look what John said in 1 John 3.15. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Listen, he said, if you hate another brother or sister. John's not talking to the world here, y'all. He's talking to the church. He was writing to the church saying, if you have hatred in your heart towards someone else, you're a murderer. Then he goes on to say, and we know that that murderers don't have eternal life in them. So he was actually questioning their salvation. If you are harboring hatred towards someone, he's questioning if they even really save. Because a murderer don't have eternal life within them. See, sinful anger does not put us in a physical jail, but it robs us of fellowship with God as well as with our brothers and sisters. Although some people do let their anger cause them to become a murderer physically because they, they, they can't control it. The Bible says, don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. See, sinful anger must be faced honestly and must be confessed to God as sin. We can't just say, oh, you know what? My mama was angry. My dad was angry. So I'm just an angry person. I just get angry. That's a cop-out, church. Amen? If we got anger that we're nursing inside of us, we it's sin. We have to repent of it. If not, the Bible says we're just as bad as a murderer. We must go to our brothers and sisters and get the matter settled and settle it quickly. Look, Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, Jesus said, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. He actually says, if you know somebody else has something against you, but the principle is the same. I love that it says, you suddenly remember. If you suddenly remember, you got to deal with it suddenly. Don't wait. Don't put it off any longer. The second part of why I'm going to open up the altar today and encourage you to come get prayer, because you may need to release some anger, bitterness, and maybe even hatred in your heart towards someone. And you know what? I just realized as I was praying for that gentleman earlier that these two are closely connected. Some of you may have anger and hatred towards your parents because of what they've done to you. Maybe not only are you not honoring them like you should, but you actually have hatred toward them. Or you have anger that you've been nursing towards them and you need to release it today. Amen? You need to be set free from that today. The longer you wait, the worse the bondage will become. You may not be in a physical prison, but you put yourself in a terrible personal prison if you refuse to be reconciled. It has been said that the person who refuses to forgive his brother destroys the very bridge over which he himself must walk. Amen? So we need to release, we need to forgive, and we need to be reconciled. So as I close today, let's do a little bit of inventory. Are you honoring your father and your mother? Are you are you by the way you 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 speak about them or to them how you treat them how you live your life towards them are you honoring them even if you're like me and both your parents are gone I believe you can still honor them by the way you talk about them to others And do you have sinful anger or even hate in your heart towards someone Maybe it's your parents maybe it's a a brother or sister in the church maybe it's a loved one it's a friend it's a coworker we need to release these today. And again, in a few minutes, as we wrap up, I'm gonna give you a chance. Please come down to the altar. Let us stand with you. The pastors will be up here. The altar teams gonna be here. Altar ministry team, and we want to pray with you. Amen. We see both Jesus and the Apostle Paul in dealing with these. These are not just Old Testament, you know, uh, commandments under the law. Again, we're free from the law, but they're applied even in the New Testament church. And again, God has the best forest church, right? These things. If we don't do them, we'll keep us in bondage. I don't know about you. That first commandment with a promise to live a full life, a long full life on the earth, I'm signing up for that. What about you, right? I don't want any, there's enough things in this world that can cut our life short. I don't want to self-sabotage myself and add another one to the list. Are you with me? Amen. Remember earlier also I said that the Ten Commandments shows us our sin but can't cleanse us from our sin. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. See, we need to be obedient to these commandments, these, these two we talked about today, and really all of them we've been talking about. But even if you said, Brandon, I'm good. If you answered the question, I honor my parents, and I don't have any anger or malice towards anyone, I'm good. Still, even if you do that, that won't get you to heaven. We know none of us can really keep any of the ten, all of the ten commandments. You may be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I got eight out of the ten, and that's great. But just, let me say it this way. Just being a good person won't get you to heaven. And that's what the Jews were trying to do. They were trying to keep the commandments for salvation, but the Apostle Paul makes it clear that that's works. Look at what it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, as we we close, as we wrap it up. For it is by grace, and I love how the Amplified breaks it down. What is grace? God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved. What does it mean to be saved? Actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. So it is by grace, through faith, that you've been saved, not by works, right? And this salvation is not of yourself, not through your own effort, but it is undeserved, a gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works, which works, your attempts to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for this salvation. Amen? I love how the Amplified breaks it down. Even though we're doing these things as great, we need to, right? Still... We can't, this is not going to get us to heaven. You may be in here today and say, well, you know what, Brandon, you know, I, I, I thought that's how that's how you went about it. I, I talked to someone recently that said, man, I was a Christian for a long time. I thought I was just going to slip into heaven. Some people may slip into heaven, but some people are going to bust hell wide open. So we need to make sure that we are right with God. The Bible says we must repent of our sin and turn to the Lord. You know, I think about Lee, uh, you know, Lee Airby, his sister died last night. And they're going to be making arrangements tomorrow. What if they were making your funeral arrangements tomorrow? Where would you be right now in eternity? We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. But it makes it clear. We'll either have eternal life or we'll face judgment and have an eternal death and spend eternity in hell. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? Just out of respect for others and reverence for the Lord. And if you said, Brandon, I don't know if if that was my... If that was my uh, funeral that they were preparing tomorrow, I don't know where I'd be today. I just thought, man, if you you are a good person and you, you try to keep the commandments that you're good to go. But that's not the case. We have to repent, turn to Christ, ask him to forgive us and then ultimately surrender our life to Jesus. We read Ephesians. It's by grace. God extends his grace to us and then through faith we acknowledge Jesus and what he did for us. What did he do? He died on the cross and our place for our sins. We all sin and fall short of God's glorious standard, Romans says, and that the wages of sin is death. Again, we know that's an eternal death because the next line says, but the free gift of, of, of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Brandon, man, if that was me, if, if, if I was gone, today was my last day. I don't know where I would be at in eternity, but I, I want to be saved. I want to be right with the Lord today. If that's you. Just slip your hand up. And say, man, that's me, Brandon. I need to get right with the Lord. I see hands going up. Amen. Amen. Young man over here to my left. Anybody else over here to my right? Hands still going up. Thank you, Jesus. You said, Brandon, I need to repent. I want to be born again today. Hands still up, going up. Amen. Amen. Or if you said, Brandon, you know what? At one time, yes, praise the Lord. I see your hand, sir. More importantly, the Lord sees your hand. You say, Brandon, I was once walking with the Lord, but you know what? I, I, I've, I've actually slipped away, and I, I took the wrong path, and, and I went down willingly, and I need to come back to the Lord and resurrender my life. That's you. I want you to slip up your hand and say, that's me. Okay, more hands going up. Amen. I want all of you that raised your hand. Amen. Young people's hands going up. All of you that raised your hand from the first question to the second, I want you to lift both hands straight up to the Lord like you're surrendering to him. Come on, be bold and say, that's me, Lord. That's me. I surrender today. Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I want to lead you in a prayer of faith today. Come on, let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin. I turn to you and I surrender my life to you. Lord, now give me the grace and the strength by your spirit to live for you all the days of my life in jesus name i pray amen and amen come on let's rejoice with these this morning amen amen hey listen we rejoice with you if you prayed that prayer for the first time or first time in a long time there's a card in the chair in front of you fill out that card we have a bible for you in the info center we want to get you started get you connected jump in the next steps we got a water baptism next sunday so if you just recently just now gave your life to Christ and you want to be the next step is water baptism you can sign up for that and we'd love to have you I'd love to baptize you have the honor baptize you next Sunday would you stand up with me and as we stand can I get the pastors and the altar team to come to the altar right now so as we close for some of you in here this morning I know that may be a big struggle for you maybe you're having a hard time honoring your parents because of the way your parents treated you or mistreated you or maybe was not there for you. If that's you, I want you to begin to start coming to the altar right now as we close and there'll be men or women down here, these men that want to stand with you, these ladies, they want to stand with you and try to help you. Maybe you're harboring some kind of anger or hatred or resentment towards someone and you need to release it today. Come on, as we close up in prayer, I want you to just begin to make your way down to the altar right now. Come on, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help us, Lord. I pray that you give us the, the, the grace that we need, Lord God, the supernatural grace and the strength that we need, uh, Lord God, to honor our parents, to honor our father and mother, Lord God. Even, Lord God, when they've done uh, t- uh, hard things, terrible things to us, or was not never there for us, Lord, I pray still help us to be able, uh, Lord God, to be obedient to your word. Now, Father, we pray if there's any resentment or anger or uh, malice that we're nursing inwardly, as your word says, that right now we will release that to you, Father. We will release it to you once and for all, that we would not be held prisoner uh, by uh, what we're doing, that we, we want to live a long, full life on the earth. So I pray those that come up to the altar right now, those that are up here and those that will be coming, I pray for your spirit and your anointing upon them. I pray to heal the brokenhearted for those that are hurting and those, like God, that need you and your help to do what you call us to do. Lord, we know that you never tell us to do anything that you wouldn't help us to do. So I thank you for these that are up here right now and these that are out there. I pray you help them and bless them as they go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. We love y'all. Please come on down to the altar if you need prayer for anything at all, whether it's this or something else, we'd love to pray with you. Amen.